0: You are on the line, live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga, online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports, Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Friday edition of the show. On the line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, and on Fox Sports, Central Alabama on 98.3 in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Friday afternoon. Sun is shining. It's a beautiful day here in the Auburn, Opelika area. Jacob Goins here with you in studio, but not alone. We have Christian Clemente in the house for all of our number one from 24-7 Sports. Christian, how are you, my man? How's the new job going? Let everybody know what's going on.
2: Yeah, no, it's going really good. It's been a pretty crazy month. Um, Really great to kind of hop in and, you know, just have a lot to do. If I would have started in, you know, like maybe March or something like that, it would have been real quiet, a little strapped for content. But, I mean, June, as Auburn fans have probably noticed, has been very busy recruiting-wise, visit-wise, stuff like that, so it's been really good and then just honestly trying to survive the heat here man i have
1: yeah it's a little bit different than where you're from huh it's a lot hotter down here and humid there's no there's no escaping it even if you're in the shade it's just miserable all the time
2: yeah no it is not pleasant um when this heat wave kind of first started i walked outside i was like "Oh, i'm gonna go to the driving range i didn't check the weather or anything like that uh quickly walked back inside and called it for the day before i even started swinging the clubs so
1: Yeah, I mean, it's bad when, you know, I get up at like 8 o'clock and I'm leaving my house at like 8.30 to come into work and it's already hot outside. I open the door and it's the heat wave and it just hits and it's like, I mean, we're starting this early with the heat, but that's how June and July roll around here. Really, it's from April to October is really how it goes around here, but despite the heat we're inside here in the studio we got you for all of our number one we're going to pick your brain everything auburn football recruiting so strap in we've got a great first hour here on the friday edition of on the line you could call in be a part of the show we'd love to hear from you the phone number is 334-321-1390 you could call in about anything we're talking about if you have a question for me or christian clemente on recruiting please call in we'd love to hear from you the phone number again is 334 321 Thirteen ninety. well Christian last time we talked to you Auburn was having nine official visits on campus this was the past weekend and how did it go that's the big question how did these visits go uh what what can Auburn fans expect from the nine guys that were on campus this past weekend
2: yeah so it ended up going really well it ended up being eight there was a last minute cancellation um and that's kind of a recruit Hunter Osborne out of uh, Hewitt Trustville up in Birmingham he is trending away from Auburn um clemson alabama tennessee texas were all kind of putting the pressure on there and auburn's still recruiting him but a canceled visit is not something you ever particularly want to see you know sometimes it's just a scheduling thing but this is more of a hey i'm interested in other places a little bit more but with the guys that were actually here the eight that were here i mean things went really really well um i'll kind of run down the list real quick and then we can go through everybody so Um, to recap you had the Langston Hughes guys Um, all four of them were here Um, you know one was on an unofficial that would be Terrence Love who's already committed but then his teammates Bo Hewley a four-star offensive tackle committed to Georgia Um, four-star tight end Jelani Thurman and three-star defensive lineman Joshua Horton were all in Um, then also in the state of Georgia you had uh, four-star offensive lineman DJ Chester can play guard or tackle probably more of a guard at the next level Um, This is a kid who's been rising up the ranks like crazy. He came to Auburn in the spring didn't even have a 24-7 profile. He was Super super small now. I think he's the number 65 player in the country Wow Um, So he's risen up very quickly now that his film is getting out a little bit more Um, Another guy from Georgia you had uh, four-star linebacker CJ Allen in um, And he's closing in on a official decision here soon, but um, And while the visit went well, I probably wouldn't expect that to be Auburn um, for him um, you had Keldrick Falk coming in from Highland Home, uh, defensive end slash edge guy. And then you had another defensive end slash edge in Reuben Bain out of Miami. Um, and then one other Florida player was Jakeem Jackson, um, kind of a cornerback, big guy. He um, ended up measuring it at like six foot two and um, a very, very long wingspan. So a little different than Auburn Corners we've seen recently. And like, you know, Roger McCurry was a little smaller shorter arms this kid is massive and he would be a big corner and that's kind of what Auburn wants to transition towards now.
1: Before we get into the the individual players and what we're expecting from them in the next couple of weeks months however long it may be you get to talk to these recruits when they're on campus and they come for these camps and that sort of thing did you have a chance to talk to any of them coming off of the visits last weekend and if you did what was the overall consensus of their visits with Auburn?
2: Yeah so I talked with all of them um, after their visits and it pretty much for everybody. I mean, everybody speaks very highly of Auburn. The interesting trend, and I was just talking about this with my coworker, Nathan Kane, yesterday, is now all of these recruits with the uh, Football Performance Center, you know, actually really starting to take shape. All these recruits really bring that up. They're like, wow, that looks incredible because they will be the first ones. They're the first guys that'll be moving in. Um, And, you you know, maybe, maybe like six, eight months ago, a year ago, Guys would come in, they'd be like, oh, yeah, they're building a facility. Like, that's cool. But you couldn't visualize it. You couldn't now, see it. Yeah, yeah. Now that they can take the recruits in and, you know, they can see all the progress that's being made and they can see it, that's kind of a big selling point. Um, and then, I mean, you know, it's just kind of classic Auburn. Auburn sells itself a little bit. Everyone talks about the culture and the family feel and stuff like that. Um, so you get that kind of message from everybody. But overall, I think last weekend was really a, another big successful weekend and kind of laying the groundwork.
1: Well, I'm glad you bring up the football facility because I actually had a segment about that on the show this week that there was the reports that it's about 70% or so complete around in that you know average or whatever it may be. They're saying it's around 70% completed. And like you talk about, that means i mean if you drive by it the building is up the outside is almost done and i'm sure they're starting to get real progress on the inside and i talked about that exact thing you just brought up recruits can now go in and see this thing and see what auburn is doing and how the program is investing in itself and in the recruits that are coming to campus i'm so glad you brought that up
2: yeah i actually talked with someone um knowledgeable source about this yesterday um and he said or they said that the uh the seventy percent is about right, sixty-five to seventy percent or so, um, and you're looking at probably a completion maybe late September in terms of the building being fully complete. Probably not a hundred percent complete on the inside until late November, early December, somewhere around there. Um, but you know, once the building is fully up, you can take the recruits through that come through for visits or official visits during uh, game day weeks, and then the goal is to. Maybe get like one bowl practice in for the seniors or something like that in December, um, and then officially kind of move in as soon as the bowl game ends. Um, Got it. Okay. And move in January. But it looks like it's about on track, and you should have it really as soon as off-season training starts for next year
1: yeah i i was talking about during that segment i didn't fully know when it was going to be completed i said that i assumed they were trying to get this thing done for football season but i knew that was going to be a tall task because even if it is 70 percent complete there's still a 30 percent margin that they have it, it, to finish and it, there's a lot going on in that thing
2: yeah there's still a lot and they had i know they had some issues just covid supply chain stuff like that same they had some issues with some of the tech that they needed for inside and stuff like that but i mean everything is going about as smoothly as they hoped
1: right and think about the weather i talked about that too it's 107 degrees outside like with the heat index like you can't have guys out there working during the middle of the day like right now if you went out there and worked i mean people would be passing out i mean dropping like flies from heat exhaustion i mean it's just crazy in the state of alabama trying to work on it every day
2: no, it's nuts. But, I mean, they're they're out there grinding. They're out there working on it.
1: Yeah, right? it seems like it's every day. Like, I drive by through the weekends going places, it is, and it yeah. seems like they're out there seven days a week. Somebody is out there working on this thing all the time. Yep. And so I like that you bring that up. And so general consensus is, The visits went well last weekend for the eight official visits that were here for Auburn. And so where do some of these guys stand that came last weekend? You know, where were they before they came to Auburn? Has it changed since they left? And then what are we looking at currently?
2: Yeah, so I'll run through a couple of the guys. Um, Probably one of the biggest eye-opening ones um, of the weekend was Bo Healy, the four-star offensive tackle who's committed to Georgia because... Um, you know, Auburn was in it beforehand, um, getting maybe close to a flip. And then he kind of backed off and he said, you know, I'm all, he's, I think he said I'm 95% locked in with Georgia. Um, but then he ends up deciding to take an official to Auburn. Um, and things went really, really well. He spent a lot of time with, uh, Brian Harsin himself. His family spent time with Harson. Um, they tried to make a big impact. He actually said after the visit that he might be coming back this weekend. Now he is not. He's actually going to Georgia this weekend. Georgia kind of brought him back in, um,
1: of course they did. Yeah,
2: but this is this is going to be a battle, um, and I think that official visit was the first of a really strong move that Auburn needed to make there. So
1: would you say Auburn maybe pushed the needle towards themselves yes. a little bit?
2: Yes, definitely. And he even said it after the visit. I said, uh, "You know, did this move the needle for you? Did this make an impact? And he said, yeah, Auburn gave me something to think about. Well, that's great news. Yeah. And then his teammate, uh, Jelani Thurman, this is a big name to watch out for because he's making a July decision, or at least he's planning to. Um, he's going to be in Alabama this weekend but this is really kind of a Auburn Michigan State battle um, in my opinion and I really think it's pretty close to a toss-up I would say maybe like 51 or 52 Auburn (laughs) 49 48 Michigan State this one's really close Um, but I mean he he said his visit went really well I mean all the recruits you know their visit goes well I don't think I've ever talked to a recruit after a visit saying I didn't really enjoy it stuff like that but you know, there are different things that sticks out and stuff like that so that was good
1: well um, i feel like there's a difference when a guy comes off of the of the visit and he says yeah i had a good time you know i liked you know i liked the guys but then you could also see the difference in that and somebody that says i really enjoyed this visit like i this is a place i could see myself being
2: yeah exactly and i think the biggest thing um with these guys at lanston hughes and specifically jelani thurman him and terrence love i talked to him afterwards they said they've known each other forever um they said if they were were to both end up at Auburn, they would be roommates. Um, they've been friends forever. They always, they're always, they always joking around. They came down here together, um, stuff like that. So they're all very close. You know, those guys are all very close, but specifically Jelani and Terrence are very close. Well,
1: let me ask you this. How, I mean, obviously it's big, but what does it mean for – For guys that are playing together in high school, some of them that are already committed to be actively recruiting more of their teammates that they're already close with, what does that mean for Auburn in the long run?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's huge just because you're getting that extra help. And I mean, you've seen it out of Brayden Joyner Um, at Auburn High. He's been recruiting, not necessarily his teammates, but just guys all over the place. And Terrence Love does the same. Braden Joyner is very vocal. You see him on Twitter. Um, He's obviously at Auburn High, so he comes to campus a lot for these visits. He comes to the camps as well. He's out there. Um, but Terrence Love does a lot of behind the scenes work too. Don't think he's not recruiting because he is. He's just maybe a little quieter, more behind the scenes stuff, but he is putting in work. And I think that's really big for Auburn because Terrence is, Terrence specifically, and not that Braden isn't, but Terrence is very respected, especially where he is in the Alabama area. This is a kid who's a 4.0 plus student, very smart kid. He's been in that area for a while um, and he has a big impact. So people want to come and play with him.
1: And I think, you know, To me, when I see guys that are, and I think we may have talked about this before, when guys like that who are not even on campus yet, all they've done is commit, take visits, and they are actively recruiting other players to come with them, it shows how excited they are to be going to Auburn and be coming to Auburn. And and they're trying to get other guys to join them because maybe they realize what Auburn's trying to build here. Maybe they understand and can see the big picture down the road of what they're trying to be involved with at Auburn.
2: Yeah, no, I certainly think so. And that's that's kind of who you're seeing in some of the commitments. Some of these guys are willing to jump on board now, and you'll see some more here soon. And then some just want to see it on the field a little bit this season. Um, and we've talked about that before in the show, but... And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Absolutely so, not. Um, but I mean, you're seeing guys that have jumped on board and will jump on board soon that really believe in Brian Harson and the program right now.
1: So who else you have from last weekend that maybe, you know, changed their minds a little bit that we haven't yet discussed.
2: Yeah. So I think, uh, not necessarily changing his mind, but just made a big impact would be Keldrick Falk. He's a guy that's probably closing in on making a commitment, maybe end of July, close to big cat weekend actually there. So that could be really good timing for Auburn if things work out. Um, Auburn's been in the mix with him as an edge rusher for a long time now. Like, I'm talking a year plus. They've been connected oh, wow. with him okay. for a long time. He has a younger brother that's also a very talented 2025 player. player. Um, but they're saying, hey, come be the next Derek Hall, um, and he really likes that, and Auburn really likes him. So I think the visit went really, really well there. Um, and then I talked about him a little bit as well, Jakeem Jackson, that cornerback. Um, he's a guy who's very big. He is – maybe a little bit raw at corner because he literally just switched to corner last year, but in four games, he had three picks um, and okay. he has a lot of the intangibles already. He's very talented. What he, did he play before? Wide receiver. Okay. Yeah. So he's, I mean, it's not the necessarily most difficult switch, but there's a lot of different small things you have to learn. right? Um, well, so you're he, running,
1: you're running backwards yeah. instead of forwards. How about that? <laughs> yeah.
2: But he is very big. He's very long, um, kind of a lanky guy, but that's kind of what Auburn is looking for in its corners. And, um, his cousin, um, older cousin to Bell played at Auburn. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he's kind of had that connection to Auburn before, but this was actually his first time to come to campus and see it. And he absolutely loved it. Um, he's not going to be decided until October. So you still have a lot of time there, but he left the visit and he said, Hey, I only came with my dad this time. I'm going to come with both my parents at the end of June. And I'm going to try and come for big cat at the end of July as well, too. So got You, you see, mul- Excellent. yeah, you see multiple visits already being scheduled after his first visit. So, I mean, I think Auburn stands in a great spot there after that official.
1: You bring up Big Cat Weekend for our listeners that may not know what Big Cat Weekend is. It's something that's happened for a while. What is Big Cat Weekend? What what is involved with that? Why does Auburn host a Big Cat Weekend?
2: Yes, yeah, so Big Cat Weekend is a recruiting event that started under Gene Chizik. I don't remember the exact year. I want to I'm not even going to guess the year, but it started <laughs> under Gene Chizik. Yeah, it's been um, happening for a while. Yeah, and it used to be a weekend, now it's kind of a day, um, but it's a time where Auburn brings in a bunch of recruits it's kind of a it's different in a sense that you know usually you bring in a lot of recruits and it's a camp this is more of a bring in a lot of recruits chill play games not even football games but just chill get to know the family you know get to know the coaches and the coaches family everybody's just chilling you're not playing football you're not watching film really it's just kind of a big hangout in a sense um and it's been extremely popular um the new staff last year you know in brian harson's first year they brought it back um but they didn't plan it out quite as much in advance this year they've already got it planned they have changes coming from last year they're planning to make it really really big i think it's going to be one of the biggest big cat events that we've seen in quite some time to be honest um and I, I think it's going to be really big. And it, it, it's always been a big recruiting tool for Auburn. I think this year especially it'll be really big.
1: And so is it a mixture of guys that are already committed plus the guys that Auburn's going after? Is it pretty much if you're interested, come on, we want to see you?
2: Yeah, it's kind of you have to get invited to it. But, you know, the uh, Braden Joyner, I'm sure, will be there. Terrence Love, I'm sure, will be there. Most of Auburn's top targets, at least that are guys within the relative area um, of Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Guys that can make it here for that day will be here. Um, and then you'll see invites go out to some of the, like, the top 2024s, 2025s that are local as well. Um, so it's going to be a big event.
1: And you're talking a big turnout. Is that expected to have a lot of guys coming this weekend? Obviously, you bring up last year, which was just – it seemed like it was just kind of thrown together last minute and it didn't go as planned. But this year, what do we, What kind of a turnout, if you just had to, to guess?
2: Uh, I mean, last year I think you were looking at like maybe 25 guys that got there. I would – look at close to maybe double that wow okay um so i mean i think things are uh, they've done a good job setting it up so far they've done a lot more planning and it's going to turn out a lot better i think last year's honestly considering how quickly they had to put it together went pretty well um, but this year's is just going to be massive and it's going to be a lot better
1: and that's end of july july correct uh yeah july 30th okay is the great date set good right deal now. we're off and running here in hour number one of the friday edition of on the line if you want to call in talk to me and Krista clemente we want to hear from you 334-321-1390 stay tuned the question of the day on the other side of this break. Back here on the Friday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports, Central Alabama, Jacob Goins and Christian Clemente with you in studio for our number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Christian Clemente of 24-7 Sports giving us everything we need to know with Auburn football recruiting. Just got done talking about the guys that were on campus last weekend at 2.30. We'll talk about the guys coming on campus this weekend for Auburn football, where they stand right now, what to expect from their recruiting visits, and then ultimately, where do we think they are going to go? We'll get into that at 2.30 with Christian Clemente. Today's question of the day is the College World Series gets started in Omaha, currently the first game of the tournament, Oklahoma on top of Texas A&M, 8-3 in the bottom of the third, so a ton of runs already. It was 8 to nothing Oklahoma, Texas A&M has since come back and put three on the board. But here is the question of the day for you. Who is Auburn's biggest competition in Omaha? That's the question today. Auburn, of course, they start out with Ole Miss, but it's a long, it's a long path and trek to get all the way to win the national championship. In your opinion, who is Auburn's biggest competition in Omaha to win the national championship? Give me a call. 334-321-1390. That number, again, is 334-321-1390. Christian, Obviously, you do a lot of football stuff, but with Auburn being in Omaha, I know you've been keeping up with baseball some more and and, and watching what's going on. What's your takeaway from the field in Omaha this weekend? And, and, you know, what are you excited to see from Auburn?
2: Yeah, I mean,. It, just talk about a fantastic run from Auburn so far. Um, and you kind of touched on it. I don't cover baseball. If you want our baseball coverage, Jason Caldwell has all of it and he is fantastic.
1: He's, he is fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. um
2: But, you know, I do keep up with it enough to know um, kind of where Auburn stands. I mean, fantastic outings, two outings from Carson Skipper. Um, They're in the super regional against Oregon State. Um, Burke Halter kind of closes it out. Of course, it's Sonny DeShera that has the two home runs and kind of the big home run to set the tone on the uh, game three there but going into Omaha this is a team that I mean I feel like they've just been battling all season long um, even with their backs against the wall in certain series where they need to get a win or you know they get crushed one game they come right back Um, and now you match up against a familiar opponent in Ole Miss to start it which is certainly interesting because correct me if I'm wrong here but I believe that was the first SEC series of the season for Auburn Um, I think they started with Ole Miss
1: I don't know. It was early. It was it, back it, in. It was, it was early okay, for sure. It, you know, Ole Miss was. I think they were. Ole Miss was the number four team in the country when Auburn played them. And you know, i've I've talked to I've talked to Auburn writers. I had an Ole Miss baseball writer on earlier this week, and they everybody has been saying take that series that they played originally and throw it out the window. They said it will be completely different. These are two completely different teams. You know, you have Ole Miss who has just they they were good and then they took a big big dive but then they've come back up and they figured it out a little bit and then of course Auburn they've just been kind of steady and then here at you know near near the end of the regular season they were kind of struggling to figure out what they needed to do but then once the postseason hit I mean they have just turned it on now they're in Omaha and the biggest thing for me is the SEC representation that is that is what stands out to me you have four of the eight teams in Omaha are SEC teams you have Texas A&M Ole Miss Arkansas and Auburn and then of course on top of that SEC fans like to include Texas and Oklahoma's success now because they're going to be here in a couple of years and those those programs aren't going anywhere let's just be honest so if you count them six of the eight teams in Omaha are representing the SEC I mean the odds are in favor of the Southeastern Conference winning a national championship
2: yeah no they are um and then Jumping back to the Auburn Ole Miss, I think the interesting thing too is Ole Miss didn't see uh, Joseph Gonzalez earlier this season. He will be the guy that um, takes them out on uh, tomorrow's game, Saturday. I'm drawing a blank on the days here. Um, so that's kind of interesting that Ole Miss hasn't seen um, Joseph Gonzalez yet. Um, I mean, Ole Miss was scorching hot in the Super Regional against Southern Miss. Um, they blasted them game 1. I don't remember what game 2 was, but they shut them out and won it comfortably.
1: It was a 10-0 win and then a 5-0 win. They outscored them 15 to nothing in two games at yeah. Southern Miss.
2: Yeah, there you go. So, um they comfortably coasted through the super regional, but I feel like Auburn getting tested against Oregon State is also kind of nice. Absolutely. That, um, you know, they're they're comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, they're used to super tight games and stuff like that. I mean, That third Oregon State game, it just felt like Auburn was holding on for dear life there kind of at the end. You know, It was a game, they didn't have a lot of hits, but they were able to scrape some runs across a little bit and then hold on thanks to some great pitching and relief pitching um, as well. So I would probably favor Auburn maybe just a little bit going into this first game. I wouldn't have the first clue from there whether or not (laughs) when they play Stanford or Arkansas. Um, I know Stanford is number two. I agree with what you were saying a little bit. I think Stanford's maybe not overrated but I think they can be beaten um, I think that exactly. number, two rake, number two ranking is very beatable um, and then Arkansas I don't know a whole lot about them to be completely honest but I know you yeah. said they're a very trendy pick right now they're, they're
1: absolutely hot. a trendy pick I think it's the most popular pick to win the national championship is Arkansas we're gonna have to see the great thing about this tournament is it's not a winner go home every single time right especially in this first game You can afford to have a slow start and lose your first game. After that, you've got to win, but you don't want to see that. You want to see a team like Auburn come out get started fast with the pitching, get the bats rolling early. They'll have to do that against Ole Miss tomorrow. There's just a lot of good teams in this tournament, and the thing that I have said is I think all eight of these teams in Omaha – Have a legitimate chance to win a national championship. Mm -hmm. And that's not something, yeah, yeah, it's wide open. And that's not something you see a whole lot in in postseason play, especially, you know, even with the upsets, right? With Notre Dame beating Tennessee, I don't think that was a fluke. I think Notre Dame is a good baseball team. And so I think anybody has a chance to win this weekend.
2: Certainly. Um, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the other teams, to be honest. I don't know a ton about Auburn necessarily, but to me, it just seems completely wide open. I mean, even looking at, you know, seeing like betting odds. There's no one that far out in terms of being a favorite or being an underdog. Everyone's really hovering around the same spot. So it seems to be wide open and feels like anyone could probably take it.
1: And if anybody's going to know, it's going to be the guys in Vegas. They know better than anybody else. (laughs) There's a reason that the buildings are extremely nice out in Las Vegas. But question of the day for you, the listener, who is Auburn's biggest competition in Omaha for the college world series i want to hear from you 334-321-1390 that number again is 334-321-1390 who is auburn's biggest competition in omaha for the college world series there's a lot of different picks here there's a lot of different options we want to hear from you who is auburn's biggest competition in omaha 334 321 1390 stay tuned we've got Christian Clemente for the next 30 minutes we're going to talk about Auburn football's recruits that are coming to campus this weekend stay tuned more recruiting updates when we come back Halfway through hour number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Christian Clemente here in the house. Halfway through hour number one here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports, Central Alabama. Christian we've talked a lot about the guys that were on campus last weekend for Auburn football they had eight of them last weekend they have seven coming this weekend on official visits let's dive in talk about who they are where they're coming from and ultimately where does Auburn stand with the guys coming on campus this weekend Auburn has seven of them uh hit me with it let's roll
2: yeah so um I wrote about this yesterday and uh one of my uh, we call it Clemente's Confidential, um, so you know we'll touch on it a little bit here. But I've got a ton more detail as well um, on the site. But we'll run down the list here. The guys are Gabriel Harris, Harris, excuse me, and edge who is committed to Georgia. So kind of an interesting storyline there. That makes three Georgia commits to officially visit in the last four weekends now for Auburn. Um, so that's kind of an interesting trend. Um, Anthony James, a defensive lineman out of Texas, who is formerly committed to Texas A and M. Um, he's also going to Utah or he's been to Utah and is going to Washington as well. Um, I think it's Davin Hobbs. Um, I'm still unsure how to pronounce his first name. I'm looking forward to talking to him after his visit actually, so I can learn that it's pronounced or it's spelled D a E V I N. So you would mm, think okay. maybe Devin or Davin, yeah. not entirely sure, but he'll be in. He's a really talented player out of North Carolina, another defensive lineman. Um, you've got Lewis Carter, a linebacker target. He's probably a big one to track, um, As Auburn looks to sign maybe two or three linebackers in this class. You know, CJ Allen was in last week, but I view him as a Georgia lean. um, So Lewis Carter could be that next guy to kind of step up the board a little bit. Um, You got Jeremiah Cobb, who's a name that Auburn fans are probably rather familiar with at this point. He's visited a decent amount. He's from Montgomery Catholic. Um, He's kind of Auburn's top guy on the running back board. And now you get him in for an official. Um, You're looking to kind of not land a commitment this weekend I don't think he's quite ready to pop yet but you want to get really close to sealing the deal there because I think he will commit by the end of July maybe mid-August somewhere in there so you're getting closer there Um, and then you've got Connor Liu a offensive lineman out of Georgia Um, an interesting note there is he actually wants to be a pilot um, so Nick Brahms who is a now he's a licensed pilot yeah yeah um, Connor Lou is a center and Nick Brahms okay. is a center and Nick Brahms is a pilot and so he's gonna be hosting Connor Lou. yeah um, a lot so of connection there yes yeah, so that's kind of an interesting thing and I think that works really well in Auburn's favor as they're competing against Clemson Georgia and Miami for him um, so tough schools yeah tough schools but Auburn has some kind of you know the small things add up and Auburn has some of those small things working in their favor in his recruitment and then one more guy that's gonna be coming in this was a Uh, he got added to the list yesterday is Marcus Bragg um, out of Western Kentucky He is a transfer edge guy Um, he's a grad transfer he'll have one year remaining um, as Auburn looks to solve some of those depth issues that you saw at edge um, in the spring Um, you already saw that them try to alleviate that a little bit they went after a couple guys in the portal and they were unable to land them so Joko Willis ended up kind of moving over from the linebacker room to the edge room so then you were at four with Derek Hall and Echoliot as kind of the main two guys. Then you had Dylan Brooks and Joko Willis. But you still would have liked to have gotten somebody else. And so that's where Bragg comes in this weekend. Um, and he's a kid who I think maybe could leave committed to Auburn um, okay. by the end of the weekend. Okay. So,
1: and so if hypothetically, not saying that he's coming here because I don't know a ton about him specifically, but if he were to commit to Auburn, would he be immediately eligible? Yes, he, he would. would? Okay. Yeah,
2: He's been in the portal for a decent amount now. Got um, you and so he'd be a nice kind of pickup um fill the td moultrie role i guess you could say in a little bit in a sense where he'd be kind of that third edge rusher but he'd still get a lot of snaps get a lot of playing time so he'd be really good and he'd be a nice veteran pickup for auburn in that defensive
1: line and so the guys that are coming this weekend on official visits for auburn are they 2023 2024 is it kind of a mix they're all 23s yeah because
2: um in college basketball you get five official visits as a junior and five official visits as a senior. In college football, you just get five. So they just in general. Yeah. So you uh usually you see in college football, they all wait to take them until their it's their year, basically. Um, so either in the summer now in June or during the season. So it's all twenty twenty threes.
1: Gotcha. And so again, Auburn has seven guys coming on campus this weekend for official visit. That's Auburn football, that is you know looking across the board at the guys that are coming obviously one of them is a transfer portal the other ones are recruits what's the status on some of these are any of these guys leaning towards Auburn and maybe this weekend could be the the you know the cherry on top as there's some guys that Auburn's going to have to do some work with what are we looking at at the status of some of these guys
2: yes so honestly it's kind of an interesting mix of players where Auburn is not necessarily viewed as the favorite for most of these guys outside of like a Jeremiah Cobb and maybe in kind of the mix with Lewis Carter and uh, Connor Liu as well. But guys like Gabriel Harris, I don't know why I keep messing that up. Gabriel Harris, who is headed to Georgia, um, Anthony James and David Hobbs are all Auburn's in the mix, but they're newer names to my knowledge. None of these guys visited Auburn this spring. So this is going to be their first time, either their first time to Auburn or their first time to Auburn quite some time now. Um, it's kind of an interesting mix of visitors coming in this weekend Um, unlike last weekend where you saw guys who were coming back for their third or fourth visit and stuff like that but it's still a very good mix of players and it's guys that Auburn is very interested in
1: well something that we've talked about is if they're coming on official visits and all of these are official this weekend right yeah so if they're coming on official visits and like you just said these guys get five official visits in high school obviously they're coming to Auburn for a reason. They only get five of them, and they're choosing Auburn for one of those five. So even if they are not leaning towards Auburn right now, they at least have some sort of interest in Auburn and what Brian Harson is talking about because if they weren't, why would they waste a trip?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and these are guys – look, I'm not saying Auburn's not recruiting them or Auburn doesn't like them. I just don't know as much about them as I know about some of the other recruits that have come in. So it's kind of interesting. I'll be learning a little bit more this weekend as I learn more about how their visit's going, talking to them after their visit and stuff like that. Obviously, they're guys that Auburn is going after because they wouldn't use an official visit on them if they weren't interested in them, and the same vice versa. You, you just touched on it. The players wouldn't come here if they weren't interested in Auburn. So,
1: Well, when you look at it this way, this is an opportunity for Auburn and Brian Harson and this coaching staff to bring in some guys that are not completely sold on Auburn that have not grown up maybe and wanted to play for Auburn their whole life and have not been recruited by Auburn for a couple of years these are some guys coming in this weekend that Auburn's gonna have to do some work on and we'll see how Auburn can do it what they do and what you know what what strings do they pull this weekend to try and make some progress on some of these guys because you talk about you Georgia commits that Auburn is bringing in. I mean, Auburn's going to have to do some work. So that maybe this is a challenge that they're trying to accept.
2: Yeah, no, certainly. I think it's very interesting. You've seen a – I feel like you've seen a different mentality out of this staff compared to the previous staff in terms of trying to flip players. Um, you talk about last class. You flip Robert Woodyard from uh, Alabama to Auburn. That was the first time that had happened in countless years um, since I think Stephen Roberts maybe in 2015 or 2014. It had been mm-hmm. a long time. And so in their first year, they pulled that off. This year, they were going really heavily after Jaleel Hurley, the defensive back who's committed to Alabama. Now he's recently, after it looked like he was getting close to flipping, he's recently said he's locked in, um, and I'd probably still lean Alabama there. But Auburn is still pursuing him aggressively. Then you talk about the Georgia guys. They had Raquez McEldry in. They had Bo Hewley in, And now they're having Gabriel, Gabriel Harris. Wow, this name is really tripping up. <laughs> they're having all those guys in um, on official visits, and they're not backing down. They're not afraid to try and go up against um some of these other big schools not only in recruiting but trying to flip them after they're already committed as well. So this is a staff that's not necessarily afraid of these other schools and they're willing to go and take take chances a little bit and try and fight for recruits.
1: Obviously you're my recruiting guy, right? I have you on every week talking about recruiting. Let me ask your opinion Do you like the fact that Auburn's going after these guys that are committed to other schools and trying to flip them, or would you rather see them go after guys that are not yet committed because maybe they would have a better chance? What's your opinion on that?
2: Uh, I think they do a good mix of going after guys that they feel are realistic to flip um, and trying to work on them because I I don't know about Gabriel coming in this weekend, but I certainly think there's – not only a good chance, but I think Auburn might just lead for Reques McEldry to flip him. And Bo Hewley, that's going to be a battle until signing day, to be honest. But Auburn's putting in the work there. Um, so I think it's good um, because they're going after guys that they really want and guys that they believe in. And look, if they're committed to Alabama or Georgia, they're probably pretty solid players, um, and Auburn believes in them as well. So I think they do a good job of mixing in, going after kids and trying to flip them, and going after kids who are um, not committed as well. And also, I think this is a staff that's done a really good job of identifying talent um, and getting offers out early to kids before some of these other schools have as well. Look at look at a guy like Brock Glenn, for example, the quarterback Auburn's been going after. Auburn was on him really early, and then all of a sudden Florida State, Florida, Ohio State, all these other schools are in on him now. And now he's an Elite 11 finalist guy. So
1: Yeah, and, and on a quarterback, if Ohio State's in on him, He's obviously pretty good because we know the history of Ohio State quarterbacks, especially over the past, what, 10 to 15 years. I mean, yeah. they've had excellent quarterbacks. But it, you talk about Auburn finding the talent. It seems like the difference right now from this, you know, this regime, if you will, of the coaches versus what we used to have seems like Auburn is going after offensive tackles they're going after wide receivers they're going after defensive backs they're not just going after athletes and trying to make them into certain things there's nothing wrong with going and finding athletic guys but it seems like just the recruits that are coming in and watching some film it seems like auburn is going after the guys that play their position and are good at what they do rather than going and finding somebody that's not dedicated to just one spot and trying to make them into something else would you agree with that
2: no i'd certainly agree with that i think there's a trend and a kind of mold of players that they're going after look at the cornerbacks for example they're going after corners that are like 6'2, 6one they're looking for guys that have nfl size at corner big guys yeah they're looking for that they have a specific mold they're bringing in you know they're bringing in some undersized some smaller wide receivers to fill a slot role but they're also going after wide receivers that are 6-2 they just offered a wide receiver out of arizona who's 6-5
1: that's insane
2: they have a specific mold even even at tight end for example you know Landon King is a guy that they think really highly of Jelani Thurman is very similar to Landon King they like that hybrid tight end who can block play inside but also split out and catch and kind of be almost a hybrid between tight end and receiver Um, there's specific guys that they're going after and along the offensive line as well they're going after really big bodied offensive linemen and I think you're just seeing a much better job of this staff identifying the needs and the future needs of this team. Um, I wrote about it a little bit, but they're looking to bring in like seven offensive linemen in this upcoming recruiting class. Did y'all hear that?
1: (laughs) Seven offensive linemen.
2: (laughs) Which is absolutely unheard of maybe like two or three years ago. Um, Very. Yeah, and so uh, they understand the need, and they also understand the need of high school offensive linemen too, which you didn't really see beforehand. They know they're going to have to bring in transfers. I was told it would be like kind of a handful of transfers. The goal is they don't want to bring in too many transfers. They're hoping you know the guys that they already brought in and the guys that they will bring in, um, they can count on them and then bring in a little bit of veteran presence to the transfer portal as well. But they're doing a really good job of identifying the needs that they have, not only now but for the future and trying to build for that as well.
1: One thing that I've really noticed, and I've talked about it here on the show, is it seems like, and it's definitely true, I think, this coaching staff isn't just recruiting for 2023. They are putting in the work for 24, 25, and they are building for the future because they believe that they're going to be here, right? And obviously, everybody knows what's on the line this year and what has to happen this year is win on the football field. But this staff, they're not treating it like they have to just put everything into this year and make it work. They're building for the future because they truly believe they're going to be here.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what that's how you have to do it and they're doing it right they know um even just talking about the recruiting class now they feel comfortable with where they're at and they're hoping to kind of go into fall camp with like seven or eight guys committed and then if they start the season four and one five and oh in september they know they need to do that a for recruiting and they also need to know they know they need to do that b for just kind of their season and to be able to get to next year and stuff like that so they know where they stand um they're working for not only this season but the future like you just said and planning ahead really really well
1: absolutely one more question before we uh, head to our final break here in hour number one obviously nil has taken over the recruiting path in and transfer portal and everything in college athletics you speak to these kids that come to campus you speak to them when they're leaving has nil come up much at all in these interviews have they talked about that at all or are they really just focused on auburn and the football side
2: never in interviews Um, i'm sure that's behind the scenes stuff and i'm sure they will have you know, during visits, they probably, I'm sure, have NIL meetings with um, different organizations like NIL Auburn. And, you know, Auburn has like the Players Foundation now, um, which I still haven't looked into that much in terms of NIL stuff. But in terms of interviews, no, they don't really talk about it. They're not like, hey, I would come here, but, you know, the NIL opportunities aren't as good. Um, right. that, that's not something that really comes up. These kids don't really talk about it that much. Um, I don't know if that's the case everywhere necessarily. I feel like you certainly do see some places NIL is. More at the forefront of players' (laughs) minds, Um, but I feel like Auburn does a good job of—they do a good job of keeping it behind the scenes in the sense that these recruits know that there are opportunities here, nil-wise, but they're still selling Auburn and trying to sell the experience and the full experience here too. Um, Real quick, I wrote on it, but one big thing that they've done is kind of a lot of these kids, honestly, really, really do care about the academics on where they're going. So during these visits, they'll make sure that they set up dinners or lunch or whatever with the deans of the different schools that they're interested in. Um, You know, we just talked about it. Connor Liu, working with Nick Brahms, who's a professional or a licensed pilot. Um, And he'll be meeting, I'm sure, with some of the flight school guys here as well. So Auburn is doing the small things and the academic things really, really well. Um, as well during these visits
1: well that's good to hear that auburn is is they're listening to the the recruits they know what they want and they're showing them why auburn can benefit them not just on the football field but in life with you know whether it's nil or whether it's education absolutely because look Auburn football, they may not be on the same level as some of these other programs right now, but Auburn has other things that they can offer that other schools can't, right? And I i love to hear that that's what Auburn is trying to do as well as recruit the football program. Let's take our final break here in hour number one. Call in 334-321-1390 if you have a last-minute question for Christian or answer the question of the day. Who is Auburn's biggest opponent in Omaha for the College World Series? Who is Auburn baseball's biggest opponent competition i should say their biggest competition in omaha that is the question of the day stay tuned we'll wrap up our number one on the other side of this break one, two, wrapping up our number one here on the friday edition of on the line jacob goins and christian clemente he's with us for just a couple of more minutes Christian, it's been a great conversation today about everything going on with Auburn football recruiting. We talked about the guys that were on campus last weekend, talked about the guys that are on campus this weekend. Look, it seems like every time I bring you in, you get me more hyped up about Auburn football recruiting. It seems like it's going in the right direction. You know, in the next minute or so, Tell people why they should be excited about Auburn football recruiting. What are they doing right that should have people excited?
2: Yeah, I just think things are operating so much more smoother now behind the scenes. They, I feel like they understand recruiting in the SEC as a whole just a little bit more, um, and some of these new guys that have come in as well, like Ike Hilliard, Christian Robinson, guys like that, Jimmy Brumbaugh, ev- everybody, to be honest, Rock Bellantoni—they've all been great, um, helping infuse this staff with new energy, and everybody's cohesively working together really, really well. Um, we wouldn't have said that last year I just don't Um, (laughs) know no we would not have and in their defense last year um, I mean the June visits were the first time they were even really getting to meet some of these kids so it was a tough situation a little bit but this year it's just running a lot smoother because you know they have a full cycle in a sense where they brought the kids in for visits in the spring for unofficials they got to come see practice now they're taking June official visits then they're getting close to a decision during or before the season starts so You're seeing kind of a natural progression here, and it feels like Auburn has set themselves up really well with a lot of their top targets where, you know, you only stand at two commitments now, but you could be getting close to snowballing and getting a handful more in July, uh, towards the end of June, early July, maybe a couple more Big Cat weekend end of July, and then going into fall camp and you feel pretty good about your class.
1: Well, it seems like to me from the outside looking in that Auburn is bringing in, they're bringing in high-level talent, they're bringing in multiple different position groups, not just heavy on, you know, linebackers or whatever. They're bringing in multiple guys from multiple different position groups, and they're also going after guys that are on other people's rosters. They're going after guys trying to flip them from big-time rosters. So I think that's really important, if you ask me. It it looks like Auburn, they're... They're not scared or they're not backing down on the recruiting trail, and that's important. I think good things are happening with Auburn football recruiting. I think it's exciting, but again, the thing we talk about every time that you come on you got to get wins on the football field first. That will be the biggest recruiting tool for Auburn is get wins on the football field. Man, we got about a minute or so. I appreciate you coming on like you do every, t- just about every week, and I do appreciate you. Let everybody know where they can find all of your written content for 24-7 sports.
2: Yeah, so it's all over at uh, auburnundercover.com. We've got my Clemente's Confidential, which has a bunch of different recruiting notes up right now. Um, we have Nathan King put up a VIP buzz. We've got Um, different intel there on the football complex a little bit we talked about it but there's still more information there Um, there's a potential position change for a player on the roster that we're hearing about as well in there Um, so yeah there's a lot of different news there and then we've got Jason Caldwell um, up in Omaha covering baseball you won't really find anyone better um, in terms of covering baseball and he's got the on-site coverage so we've got a ton of different stuff over at Auburn Undercover Um, we'll have stories from when these kids leave their visits on Sunday um, stories from everyone there and Maybe a commitment story as well. I really do think Auburn stands in a great spot with uh, Marcus Bragg, that transfer from Western Kentucky. So it'll be a big weekend for Auburn sports as a whole, and we've got it all covered. So, yeah.
1: Excellent. Yeah, go. make sure you go and find his content, man. I bring him on here for a reason. You know what you're talking about. I love having you on, and I love getting the the, the inside scoop on what's going on with Auburn football recruiting. You've got me excited. I hope our listeners are excited as well. Good things are happening at Auburn. That's what I'm trying to tell people. I truly believe it. I do. I really do believe that good things are happening with Auburn football. It obviously starts on the recruiting trail, but you got to get wins on the football field this fall. Christian, thank you so much for coming in, man. I hope I get to talk to you next week. That's it for the first hour of the Friday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. I'll be back for the second hour. You don't want to miss it. I'll be back.
0: You are on the line, live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga, online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports, Central Alabama, Jacob Goins with you on the Friday edition of the show. Hour number one, officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two, officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, and on Fox Sports, Sichel, Alabama on 98.3 in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Friday afternoon. It is a hot one, folks. Please make sure you're drinking water, staying cool, and staying safe. Check your cars at all times. Hopefully you're staying Uh, Safe and having a great Friday afternoon. Friday, June 17th, 2022. I cannot believe it's already June 17th. This seems like it was just June 1st yesterday. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just crazy how time flies. I guess when you're having fun, right? That's what they say. But hopefully you're all doing well on this Friday afternoon. If you're still here from hour number one, thank you so much. If you're just now tuning in here in hour number two, thank you as well. I appreciate you all being here. Glad to be here on this Friday afternoon to the uh, Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. If you missed any of hour number one, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line, wherever you get your podcast. We had Christian Clemente of 24-7 Sports. Uh, He gave us all the rundown on Auburn football recruiting on the eight guys that were on campus last weekend and then the seven that'll be here this weekend so if you missed any of that and you need some auburn football recruiting updates make sure you go back and listen to today's podcast he we had him in studio for all of our number one so make sure you go and find that just search on the line wherever you get your podcast phone lines are open all of our number two i'd love to hear from you give me a call anything on your mind in the sports world i'd love to hear from you questions comments concerns opinions anything in the sports world give me a call i'd love to hear from you let's talk about it that number is 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 well, let's start hour number two, like we always do with making headlines here on this Friday, June 17th, 2022. We are 78 days away from the college football season. That's right. 78 days away from September 3rd, when Auburn and all the other teams will kick off their 2022 college football season. It was great to have Christian Clemente of 24-7 sports here in the studio for the entire first hour. He told us a ton About Auburn football recruiting everything uh, from the guys that were here on campus last weekend the guys that are going to be here this weekend all on official visits and it's exciting times for Auburn and we are 78 days away from the college football season also Make sure you go and find Christian's uh, written work. He is just fantastic. He knows his stuff. And make sure you go and find it at Auburn Undercover, the 24-7 site. Make sure you go and find his stuff. Subscribe and make sure you're up to date on all of that, including when he comes on here. So make sure you go and find that. But 78 days away from the college football season. And then so making headlines, the big one coming out of the sports world, the Golden State Warriors. They are your 2022 NBA champions, they have done it again. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green have won yet again another NBA championship. They're fourth together. They have won four rings together with the Golden State Warriors. They defeat the Boston Celtics last night, and they take the series 4-2. to Look, it comes down to this. The Warriors were the better team. They were the better team in this series. There was no doubt about it. The Celtics were able to steal game one In Golden State, right? You remember that? The big comeback, and the Celtics were able to steal Game 1 at home. Or, excuse me, steal Game 1 on the road. But then, you know, even when the series got tied up at 4, after the Warriors won that Game 4 in Boston, I felt a little uncomfortable, right? I I felt like something was about to happen, And it did. The Warriors, they won game four and they never looked back. They beat the Celtics in Boston in game six and they win the NBA championship. The Golden State Warriors for 2022 NBA champion, Steph Curry, finally gets his NBA Finals MVP and he deserved it. He proved why he is the greatest shooter to ever step on this earth. He's one of the best players that's ever played in the NBA. Look, you don't have to like the Warriors. You can hate them for all I care. But you've got to respect them. You can't hate on anything they've done. Besides bringing in Kevin Durant a couple of years ago, you can hate that and not respect that. That's fine. But this year specifically, the Warriors do it the right way. They've drafted everybody. Or they've traded for draft picks and then they drafted them. Everybody on this team, they have drafted or traded for, right? They are, And they're not big-time trades. They traded for late draft picks and, and future draft picks, and they've drafted all of these guys. The Kevin Durant thing was one thing, right? That was a whole separate story. They just, when they did that, they told the entire NBA to kick rocks, and then they just went and went, and they just won the whole thing with Kevin Durant and didn't think twice about it. Without Kevin Durant, they've now won another NBA championship with a team with older players on it. Steph, Clay, and Draymond, they're older than they used to be. They're not old, but they're older, but it didn't matter. They showed why that group is so good. You have two elite shooters with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. You have an elite playmaker with Steph Curry. And you have Draymond Green who, look, he doesn't score, but he does everything else. I've said that. He's one of the best, if not the best, non-scoring players in NBA history. He does everything else right. He doesn't score a whole lot, but he doesn't have to. And he did a little scoring last night. He hit a three last night. The Celtics... Uh, Look, I I don't know what happened. They have a lot of talent, but the biggest thing that I noticed between the Celtics and the Warriors last night specifically, you could tell that the Warriors had been there before. That Warriors team had been in that position before. That Celtics team had not. You could tell. You could tell the difference. The experience, the decision-making, the emotions, the attitude, the body language. You could tell the difference between a Golden State team that had been there before and a Boston Celtics team that had not. That's why the Warriors have won the NBA championship. They were the better team. I didn't think they were going into the series, but they were coming out of it. The Golden State Warriors are 2022 NBA champions. Moving on and making headlines, the College World Series – for college baseball in Omaha, officially underway. It begins today. The first game of the day is about halfway through. It's the top of the fifth inning, and Oklahoma is embarrassing Texas A&M right now. It is 12 to four Sooners on top of the Aggies in the top of the fifth inning. Oklahoma has jumped out on Texas A&M early. They were up eight to nothing at one point. A&M put on three runs. It was eight to three, and then Oklahoma put on four more, and now it's at 12 to four lead for Oklahoma in the top of the fifth Oklahoma the road team right now so top of the fifth inning they have a man on second they're on top of Texas A&M 12 to 4 in the first game of the College World Series of course Auburn will play tomorrow tomorrow night that is against Ole Miss But then there's also one more game that will happen this evening after this Oklahoma and Texas A&M game. It'll be Notre Dame and Texas tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN. So that'll be the second game of the day today. And then, of course, two games going on tomorrow, Stanford and Arkansas. That'll be at noon on ESPN. And then Auburn and Ole Miss, that'll be at 6 o'clock on ESPN, two. Excuse me. The Arkansas Stanford game is at one o'clock Central Time, two o'clock Eastern. So Auburn and Ole Miss will be at six o'clock. Arkansas Stanford at one o'clock. Those are the games tomorrow. And then the next round will get underway on Sunday and then Monday, and it'll go off through the next week. So College World Series officially underway. Game one, it's a twelve to four lead for Oklahoma on top of Texas A and M. The second game tonight, Texas and Notre Dame. That'll be at six o'clock Central Time. Moving on in making headlines, if you missed it with Christian Clemente, Auburn football has seven official visits coming this weekend. One of them is a transfer from Western Kentucky. The rest of them are 2023 recruits who will be on campus this weekend for official visits. So this is a, another big weekend for Auburn football. Brian Harson and his coaching staff, you have seven guys coming on campus who – there's a difference in this weekend and last weekend. We were talking to Christian about it. He said last weekend the guys that were coming were definitely more leaning towards Auburn and had more Auburn ties. This weekend I think it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge for Auburn to try and talk to these kids. A lot of them are coming for the first time and you know, Auburn may not be fully on their radar just yet. But Auburn has to be able to assert themselves and say, look, this is why you should come to Auburn. And so I think Brian Harson and this coaching staff, they got their work cut out for him this weekend. Christian was talking about he likes the Western Kentucky transfer portal guy who is coming this weekend. He thinks he's a, a heavy Auburn favorite, and Auburn could use him. He would be immediately eligible. So that's what you're looking for this weekend. And if you're Auburn – you know, we talk about this a lot when they have official visits. You're not necessarily looking for commitments coming out of the weekend. You would love it if that would happen, right? You would love if Auburn were to get commitments this weekend out of some guys that come. That's not what you're expecting, but you want to make some progress on these guys. You want to say, you want them to feel that you made an impact. When they leave campus on Sunday, you want to know that you left an impact on their head and their heart, and hopefully they come back. Hopefully they bring other family members. Hopefully they tell their friends. And then hopefully down the road, they commit and play for Auburn. So Auburn football has seven official visits this weekend here on the Plains. Moving on and making headlines, the U.S. Open in golf. Round two is it's in the mix of it right now. And if you look at the leaderboard, there's some big names near the top and there's some big names near the bottom, let me tell you. If you look at the leaderboard, a lot of them went off this morning. The second half are going off this afternoon. You've got uh Colin Marikawa he's at top at five under you have Scotty Scheffler he's done for the day at three under you have I know McElroy was up there somewhere I don't see him on here right now he may have uh, bogeyed a couple times trying to see where he ended up Justin Thomas at one over uh two over for the day one over for the tournament Brooks Kepka, even par after shooting three under today you're looking at some other there's Roy right there he's one over on the day still two under on the tournament but here's the big one, folks. The projected cut line is three over par. It's at plus three. And this guy is not even close. He's got one of the biggest names in golf, but he is not anywhere close to a plus three. Phil Mickelson, after shooting three over today, he finished 11 over par for the tournament. That's right. Phil Mickelson shot plus 11 over two days at the U.S. Open Safe to say he's not going to make the cut, and a lot of people are going to give him a lot of – they're going to rip on him a lot because, of course, he's one of the biggest names that left the PGA and went to the new Live Golf Tour, and he comes back and plays in the U.S. Open and has a very, very poor performance. So Phil Mickelson with 11 over par, he will not make the cut at the U.S. Open. But some of the big names on here, again, you have Xander Shoffley at 2 over par for the tournament we got Bryson DeChambeau at two over for the tournament. Lots of big names who are going to make the cut but have a lot of work to do. Jordan Spieth, Hideki Matsuyama, those types. Patrick Reed, Justin Rose, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas. Those types of names. Brooks Kepka that are making the cut. Adam Scott. Right? These are all making the cut. John Rahm at 2-under. He's tied with Rory McIlroy. So lots of big names. I think it'll be a fantastic weekend of the U.S. Open. And remember, this is a USGA event. This has nothing to do with the Live. This has nothing to do with the PGA. This is the U.S. Open. It's put on by the U.S. Golf Association. Turn it on and watch it if you're a golf fan. It'll be a lot of fun this weekend. I think some low scores and some big names will be at the top of the leaderboard come Sunday. Moving on in making headlines, a little bit of baseball talk. The Atlanta Braves are the hottest team in baseball, and they continue to stay that way. They are on a 14-game win streak. That's right, 1-4. 14 in a row. The Atlanta Braves have won. They are playing a series in Chicago, playing the Cubs. They're actually playing right now after coming off the sweep of the Washington Nationals. They now play a three game series at Chicago to take on the Cubs. They're currently playing live right now, top of the seventh. We have a scoreless game. It's 0 0 Atlanta, the Braves, and the Cubs. They're in Chicago. Braves trying to win their 15th in a row top of the seventh the Braves are in business they have a man on first and second so trying to win their 15th game in a row after this series with Chicago they come home uh, for two series they're going to play two tough matchups four games against the San Francisco Giants and three games against the Los Angeles Dodgers and when you look at the standings those are the top two teams I believe in the National League in their division the, the Giants and the Dodgers so Tough, tough series for Atlanta, or you look at, it's San Diego on top of the National League West, but right behind them is the Dodgers and the Giants, so two tough series for the Braves coming home, but they are trying to win their 15th game in a row, the Atlanta Braves in Chicago, play, taking on the Cubs, excuse me, for the next three games. And one more headline for you. Joe Lenardi of ESPN updated his bracketology a couple of days ago. And just kind of looking at it real quick about where Auburn is, where some of the other SEC teams are. And, you know, we have way too early top 25s. We have bracketology a, you know, we have all kinds of stuff. It is the basketball offseason, but the updated bracketology, this was a couple of days ago from Joe Lenardi and kind of updating you on where Auburn is, where some of the other SEC teams are. Auburn is at a four seed right now in the West. Uh, if the bracketology were to come out today, if the bracket were to be released, Auburn, this is what Joe Lenardi expects this will be the the bracket come March, right? Auburn is a four-seed, matched up with UC Santa Barbara, UAB, and San Diego State. A four-seed is pretty fair. They've been bouncing around between a three and a six, seven-seed in this offseason for Auburn. They have a ton of talent. They have a tough schedule, but again... So much talent on this Auburn basketball team. Right now, they're projected as a four-seed in the upcoming NCAA tournament. I think that's the perfect spot. There's room to improve, but there's a lot of room to to you know digress, and I don't think that's going to happen. I like Auburn to be a five-seed or better come next March. Again, long way to go. We haven't even thought about the start of basketball season yet, but... I think this Auburn team has too much talent to be anything less than a five seed. You look at some other SEC schools that are represented in the updated bracketology from Joe Lenardi. And you look around uh, the SEC, you have Arkansas as a three-seed right now. I think they could definitely be a three-seed. Kentucky is a one-seed. You have Florida as a ten-seed. You have Texas A&M. Of course, the drama that happened with them last year in the tournament. They are an eight-seed right now. Alabama at a five-seed. Tennessee as a three-seed. So, you're looking at seven teams from the SEC currently in Joe Lenardi's updated Bracketology. We're a long way away from basketball season, but just wanted to give you an update on that. That's it. We're making headlines here on Friday, June 17th. We're off and running in hour number two. I'd love to hear from you. Call in. Be a part of the show. Give me a call. 334-321-1390. That number again is 334 321 1390 if you missed the question of the day we're going to talk about it on the other side of this break in omaha for auburn baseball who's their biggest competition in the college world series i'd love to hear from you who is auburn's biggest competition in the college world series over the next few days give me a call 334-321-1390 Welcome back into the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back here on ESPN 1067 and Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins here with you in the studio. Question of the day, in case you've missed it. In Omaha for the College World Series, who is Auburn Baseball's biggest competition to win the national championship? That is the question of the day. Give me a call with your answer. I'd love to hear from you. 334 321 1390. Look, there's a lot of answers here. There's seven answers that you could come up with. Obviously, there's eight teams in Omaha, and you know my stance on this. I think all eight teams have a legitimate chance to win the national championship. I really do. I think all eight teams that are at the College World Series in Omaha, I think any of them can go on and win the national championship. When you look down the line of, of who is there, you have Oklahoma, Texas A&M. Of course, they are playing right now. Oklahoma is smacking Texas A&M here in this first game. You have Notre Dame and Texas. Of course, Notre Dame coming off of the massive upset against the number one of Tennessee Volunteers, a Texas team that's ranked number nine who has been really steady throughout the last couple of weeks. You have an Arkansas team who has found themselves as of late. We know the talent level on this Arkansas team. We know what they're made of. They are extremely dangerous, and for what I've seen, Arkansas is the heavy favorite, uh, from the fans at least, to and even the media as well, picking Arkansas to win it all. They are definitely the big-time favorite. Don't forget about Stanford. They're ranked number two for a reason, folks. They are a solid baseball team. I don't think they are as good as advertised. I think they are a beatable baseball team, but they're number two for a reason. So make sure, you know keep your eye on them. And then, of course, Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss, who takes on Auburn tomorrow, another one of those teams that all they've got to do is get hot. And obviously they've made it to the College World Series, but they have had a little bit of a break. But all it takes is one game for an Ole Miss team to get hot, and they could run through the entire tournament. So the question of the day – out of the other 7 teams in Omaha, which one is Auburn's biggest competition to win the national championship? That's the question. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. Uh, I've thought about this question all day, really. And b- besides the obvious answer of saying, "Well, I think all of them are their competition and could be their biggest competition," uh, I I think the SEC is definitely their biggest competition. A&M Arkansas and Ole Miss not so much Texas A&M even before they were getting destroyed in this first game um, I, I think it's Arkansas and Ole Miss I think those two teams have really found something late in this season now, Oklahoma is good I think they are going to I think they're going to run in to a Texas team that is just better I like Texas to come out of that side uh, I, I think Texas is a fantastic baseball team but Here's my bold prediction. When you're looking at the top side and the bottom half of the brackets or the left and the right side, whatever you want to call it, between Stanford, Arkansas, Auburn, and Ole Miss, whoever comes out of that side of the bracket is going to win the national championship. That's my prediction for this tournament because I think those are the best set of teams. It's crazy that they are all on the same side of the bracket. That is a heavy, heavy side. Between Stanford, Arkansas, Auburn, and Ole Miss, I think it'll be Texas versus literally any of those four teams. I I don't know which one to pick, and obviously Arkansas is the the common pick. Stanford would be the the easy pick because they're the highest ranked. Auburn is definitely a very common pick, and then of course don't sleep on Ole Miss. I, I'm very high on that team as well, but I think. I think Arkansas and Ole Miss. I think that those two teams, those are Auburn's biggest competition in the next couple of or next however many days, a week or so, how long it takes to get this college world series over with. So I think it's Arkansas and Ole Miss. And those are two teams that Auburn may have to play back to back to back. You know, it depends on how it goes. If Auburn is to, to you know, obviously they play Ole Miss to start. Right, they, they start out the very first game with Ole Miss and then if they win, they may have to play an Arkansas team if they beat Stanford. And if they lose, they may have to play Arkansas if Arkansas were to lose to Stanford. So there's a lot going on and then there's a chance that Auburn could play one of them again. So It's crazy how the tournament works. I think Arkansas and Ole Miss is Auburn's biggest competition in this College World Series. What do you think? I'd love to hear from you. Question of the day. Who is Auburn's biggest competition in Omaha in the College World Series? That's the question of the day. And then all of the other teams, obviously. I think Notre Dame will slow down. I think they are going to come up against a really, really good Texas team. Credit to Notre Dame. Nobody gave them a prayer against Tennessee and I mean not a prayer against Tennessee and yeah here they are they're in the college world series they could make a big run here they could win it all I don't think that's the case I think Texas will beat them in that series now remember I said Tennessee would be Notre Dame but here we are but I think Texas wins that series or wins that game rather and then you're looking at Texas A&M and Oklahoma look it's 12 to 4 in the middle of the sixth inning right now in this Oklahoma Texas game, unless Oklahoma just blows it and AM just goes stupid and scores a ton of runs, you're looking at Oklahoma moving on in this first game where I think they will play Texas. And then you have Texas AM playing Notre Dame. I like Texas AM to respond in that game. And then you know how the bracket goes. They would play the loser of the second game, blah, blah, blah. So I think Texas comes out of that top half and then in the bottom. Look, you're looking at Arkansas and Stanford. That's a fantastic game tomorrow at one o'clock on ESPN. I think Arkansas wins, but I can also see Stanford just shutting Arkansas down because nobody's really expecting Stanford. Like right? they're a they're a decent common pick, right? They are the number two team in this tournament, but nobody's just like, oh, I can't wait to watch Stanford baseball, right? And we're not. Nobody feels that way, and I think they like that. I think they're okay with that they're probably going to try and fly under the radar and then they're going to come into this thing and they're going to remind everybody why they are the number two team in the entire country right there's a reason for that and so I think Arkansas will still win that game but I could see that other thing happening right couldn't you nobody's talking about Stanford everybody's hyped up about Arkansas and the SEC and then Stanford comes out and just blasts them that I could see that happening so easy but I don't think that's the case. I think Arkansas wins that game, but I think Stanford will stay alive. I don't think Stanford loses two games in a row right off the rip. And then Auburn all Miss tomorrow. I'm going to leave my pick for this game uh, until the end of the show. It's going to be a great game. I can tell you this. The team that jumps out early will probably win this game because whoever gets started hot early will We'll just take off and run with this thing. And the offenses are both really good. The pitching staffs are both really good. I think Auburn is favored in the pitching area. And I think Auburn's offense is better than Ole Miss. But we know Ole Miss and Arkansas, I put them in the same group. I think Arkansas has a little bit more talent than Ole Miss. But I put them in the same category as if they get hot and you let them jump on you early, they will pile it on. And they will not think twice about it. They will not look back. That's why Ole Miss and Arkansas are so dangerous. That is why Arkansas and Ole Miss, those are Auburn's biggest competition in Omaha in the College World Series. Stay tuned. 30 more minutes left in the Friday edition of On the Line. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Stay tuned. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. 30 more minutes until the weekend here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you here on ESPN 106.7 in the auburn Opelika area and on Fox Sports, Sitcho, Alabama on 98.3 in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Earlier in the week, we talked to Nick Suss. He is from the uh, Clarion-Ledger, and we talked to him about Ole Miss and what to expect from this Ole Miss baseball team and if you missed that conversation he gave us so much detail on Ole Miss the matchup with Auburn as the Tigers get set to face off against the Rebels tomorrow night on ESPN2 so here is my conversation with Nick Suss Ole Miss beat writer for the Clarion Ledger. Want to welcome in a new guest to the show, Nick Suss, an Ole Miss beat writer for Clarion Ledger. Nick, thank you so much. Want to bring you in, talk about this Ole Miss baseball team as they are in the College World Series. They are heading to Omaha and, of course, taking on our hometown Auburn Tigers. Just want to start out by asking what has it been like this season covering Ole Miss baseball and ultimately how did they get here to Omaha?
3: Yeah, it's it's hard to call it this season because it feels like they've played three different seasons at this point. It, it's been it's been bizarre. Their first uh, 15, 20 games or so, they were arguably the best team in the country. They were ranked number one heading into April. They were clicking on all cylinders. That included winning two out of three at Auburn early in the year for a sweet SEC play. It looked like they were kind of destined to be in the College World Series. Then. The next 26 games or so, they really, really tanked it to a point that you're looking around on May the 1st, and this team's 7-14 and 14 in SEC play, and we're writing stories about, are they going to make it to the SEC tournament, let alone the NCAA tournament? Then starting on May 2nd, they kick it into gear, they sweep Missouri, they go down to Hattiesburg and beat Southern Miss, they go to Baton Rouge and sweep LSU. They take a game from Texas A&M, but ultimately lose the series. And then they lose their one-and-done game in the SEC tournament, and we're wondering if this team did enough to get in. They they get in by the skin of their teeth. They were the last at-large team put into the tournament, number 64 out of 64. And all they did from there was sweep the Coral Gables Regional at the number six national seed, Miami, a team that won 20 games in the really loaded ACC this year. And then they go back down to Hattiesburg and win 10-0 and 5-0 in two games to secure their first spot in the College World Series since 2014. So of all the Ole Miss teams to get there, I think a lot of people would have thought maybe your 2018 team with Ryan Rollison or the 2019 and 2021 teams with Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hoagland, some of these top tier pitchers might've gotten you there, but no, it's this team that had probably the worst April of any Mike Bianco team in 22 years. And they still managed to find the right pieces at the right time to, to end up back at the college world series.
1: Speaking with Nick Suss, an old Miss B writer for the Clarion ledger, what was the turning point for Ole Miss this season? Because back when Auburn played them, they were the number one team in the country, like you had mentioned, and then you know it, it went downhill from there. But what was the turning point for Ole Miss this season to where they were able to just turn it on and, and really improve themselves over the end of the year?
3: I wish there were one, because then my stories this week would be a lot simpler. But <laughs> I, I'll try and give you two pretty versions of it. Number one, after they got swept by Tennessee, which was the week after the Auburn series, Mike Bianco kind of ditched the concept of starting pitching. And they spent the next three or four weeks just throwing anybody who they felt like was a good matchup. And it didn't work. As I mentioned, in April, they were bad. It wasn't switching to wins. But what it did was it gave the coaching staff a pretty good gauge of well who can start on this team and when you figure out Dylan delucia can be your Friday night ace and I think he started off. almost Miss won his first six starts when he threw and when you find freshman lefty Hunter Elliott is developing into a guy who maybe at the beginning of the year could give you four quality innings but by the end of the year he can give you seven. Now you have one of the best one two punches in the SEC and certainly of the eight teams remaining. You have to. Michael misses one-two punch, and doing that not only gave them some stability on the mound, but it also freed up the bullpen to stop having to throw six, seven innings a game. And that goes from a bullpen being pretty good but overworked to now uh, they have not given up an earned run since before the sec tournament i think it's six games 21 innings no earned runs from the bullpen that's one side of it the other side of it while they were figuring out the pitching staff the offense just was not getting timely hits this was a team that i believe at one point was one in eight in sec games where they brought the go-ahead or tying runner to the plate in the ninth inning or later they were getting there they just weren't finishing games and starting may 1st that turned around. And now this has been one of the most potent and productive offenses in the middle innings. The, the time they've been really terrorizing opponents has been when opposing coaches really have to choose, am I going to let my starter face this lineup a third time or am I going to bring in a reliever? And in the postseason, Ole Miss is hitting 425, I want to say, against the starter for the third time and the first reliever out of the bullpen has an ERA of about 8.5. So darned if you do, darned if you don't against this Ole Miss lineup right now, and that's the part of the game that they are really, really lethal at.
1: Speaking with Nick Suss, Ole Miss beat writer for the Clarion Ledger, Nick, let me ask you this. Who were a couple of players on this Ole Miss roster that not just Auburn needs to watch out for this upcoming weekend, but all of the teams that Ole Miss may face coming up in the College World Series? Who are a couple of players that uh, the world needs to be on on lookout for?
3: Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty easy one if you've watched Ole Miss at all in the last couple of years, but the two, three, four hitters in this lineup, Jacob Gonzalez, Tim Elko, and Kevin Graham are three of the premier hitters in college baseball. Jacob Gonzalez is almost certainly going to be a top 10 pick next year as a shortstop. He's a front runner for All-American National Player of the Year type stuff next year as he continues to develop, and I think he's on like a 25 game on base streak or something. He's very good. Tim Elko is, if you don't know who Tim Elko is by this point, you haven't been watching college baseball, but uh, you saw what he could do last year on one ACL, and this year he's to double down now that he's got two ACLs and I think he's got 23 home runs 22 or 23 uh, school record for a single season and he's got upwards of 70 RBIs he's had a heck of a year and all Kevin Graham has done since recovering from a wrist injury that I think he missed the Auburn series he missed a good chunk of April he's been batting something like 430 since uh the start of May and he's truly been the uh Straw that stirs the drink from the forehole is a guy who's really, really clutch with runners on base. So those are the three hitters to watch out for. And then, pitching wise, uh, Hunter Elliott, who I mentioned, the freshman has really turned the last month of the season into a freshman All-American. I think he's got like a 2.7 ERA for the season. He threw seven and a third shutout, only gave up three hits against Southern Miss this weekend. And closer Brandon Johnson, setup man Josh Mallett have both been absolutely unhittable this postseason. And those are probably the two guys to watch there. But Dylan DeLucia will start on Saturday. He'll be the starting pitcher, not Hunter Elliott.
1: Got you. And so talking to Nick Suss, an Ole Miss beat writer for the Clarion Ledger, let's start looking at the path for Ole Miss through the postseason play to get to the College World Series. Of course, you started in the regional round where Ole Miss was able to go and take care of business. How did that go down for the Rebels? What did they do so well that made them move on?
3: Yeah, it's kind of what I talked about earlier with the ability to win the middle innings. Because Game 1, they were playing against Arizona, who is the team that knocked them out of the Super Regionals last year. And they're down 4-2 to two in the 7th, I want to say. Two-run double to tie it in the 7th, and then uh, two-run homer to take the lead in the 8th, really pounding the relievers, pounding the edge of the starting pitchers' uh, reach. Then you play Miami the next day, the number six national seed. You're down one nothing in the seventh, and Tim Elko hits a two-run double off of one of the best relievers in college baseball to kind of give the Rebels the lead, and then 2-1 is the final, so they held on with their uh, excellent bullpen performances as of late. Then they just bludgeoned. Arizona 22-6 to in Game 3. It was Arizona ran out of pitching, and Ole Miss absolutely feasted. But it was a 5-5 game in the fifth. I mean, it wasn't a runaway from the beginning. It was, once again, Ole Miss kicking into gear when teams ran out of good pitching options. And when that sixth inning comes around, when that fifth inning comes around, this offense has really, really found a way to make that successful. And when we talk about the Super, I assume that's your next question. This is going to be a recurring trend.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what I was going to ask was, you know, in my opinion, the results from the Ole Miss-Southern Miss series, well that was probably, besides the Notre Dame upset of Tennessee – Ole Miss blanking Southern Miss in two games, outscoring them 15 to nothing. That was the biggest surprise of the weekend because I expected Southern Miss to at least, you know, put up a pretty good fight. You didn't know what the crowd split was going to be. You expected a decent Ole Miss crowd. But that was the biggest surprise of the weekend, in my opinion, was Ole Miss going on the road and blanking Southern Miss and outscoring them 15 to nothing over the weekend.
3: And I can throw out a bunch of stats and a bunch of figures, but here's the simplest way to put it. Ole Miss has two shutouts this season and they were back-to-back games in a super regional against the number 11 national seed. I mean, that's pretty much what happened. They had two fantastic starting pitching performances, two really good relief appearances, and I think it was a seven-run sixth uh, game one and then like a three-run fifth game two, and that was really all the Rebs needed was one big offensive inning in the middle when they always seemed to thrive, and then the pitchers took over. I mean, this is an Ole Miss team that I wrote a column in the middle of April, writing, why does this team not have any pitchers? Not, don't they have depth? Just like why can't anyone on this team figure it out? And now they have them. They have them in droves. They they really turned around from a team that it looked like the lack of pitching was going to cause maybe the worst season in 22 years. To, uh, man, this is a special season that's going to go down in the school record books.
1: Speaking with Nick Suss, Ole Miss beat writer for the Clarion Ledger, coming into this College World Series matchup between Ole Miss and Auburn, what is your scouting report on the Tigers as this will be a big-time matchup offensively, but with the pitchers as well?
3: Yeah, I think just about any time you have a matchup as obvious as, man, Ole Miss is pitching's hot and Auburn's pitching's hot, or Auburn's hitting is hot, who's going to win the matchup? I tend to go the other way and think, well, if both of the strengths are matching up against each other, that means something else has to give, too. And what I'm really impressed by with Auburn was, what was it, eight and a third shutout in game one from the bullpen against Oregon State, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. That's the sort of performance that really rings a bell to me of, oh, if Auburn's going to compete, it's because of the depth and competitiveness of its arms, the arsenal it has. Not necessarily, oh man, Sonny Desher is going to hit three home runs, or oh man, Rambush or any of these guys are really, really talented, which they are. But I'm just really intrigued by Butch Thompson's been throwing a lot of different Pitchers. I, I don't know if it's going to be trace bright like it's been the last two game ones in the postseason. I don't know exactly what the plan is going to be, but that ability of Auburn's back end to mm-hmm. shut down Oregon State to pitch really well. I think they might have given up three or four earned runs as a bullpen across three games in Corvallis. That's really something I'm fascinated by, because as I've mentioned a couple hundred times, it feels like Ole Miss feasts on bullpens, and gosh, Auburn fans don't have to think back too far to remember Ole Miss putting up, what, 40-something runs in three games on the Plains this year. It's it's impressive the way Ole Miss can hit when it hits, but if Auburn pitches the way it did in Corvallis, this is going to be a really, really cool matchup. And then you flip the side, obviously, Auburn's offense is electric. Ole Miss's pitching staff has been as good as it's ever been. Uh, that's, that's going to be a fun matchup, but I really can't pick who's going to win a strength-versus-strength strength matchup because there's a reason they're both strengths.
1: And you just really, you really never know which one's going to show up and which one's going to struggle on both sides from all different positions. Speaking with Nick Suss, Ole Miss beat Rider for the Clarion Ledger, you spoke back about the first series at Plainsman Park where Ole Miss took two of three from Auburn. It was a thirteen to six victory, a nineteen to five loss for Ole Miss, and then they turn around with a fifteen to two win against Auburn. What's going to be different about this series in the college, or this game, rather, in the College World Series versus the series that these two teams played back in March?
3: Oh, absolutely everything. <laughs> these are two completely different teams from where they were in March. It was funny that my first instinct coming out of that series was, man, Ole Mrs. is lucky they played Auburn in March because I just had a feeling that that Auburn team was going to turn a corner, and it did. It's it's a really good, talented team. I would also say, what's it called now, Charles Schwab Park. I'm so used to calling it TD Ameritrade. The park doesn't play well to home run power, so that's going to be something that both teams are going to have to adjust to after there were so, so many home runs in that series in March. I think that a big difference is, Guys like Dylan Delucia and Hunter Elliott for we were not starting pitchers back then. Uh Auburn's gonna have to completely revamp their game plan because they're not gonna be facing guys like John Gaddis and Jack Doherty as starters. Those guys are full time relievers now and they're pretty darn good at it. So I don't know. I, I think that there are a lot of things that you can learn individual matchup wise when you play once already in a season like Auburn can probably tell you that Tim Elko doesn't love hitting breaking balls away which anyone can tell you if you've watched the games this year but having thrown them to him having known how to approach him that helps but on the big picture on the aggregate I really don't know if too much from the original series applies because the teams are so different and the park's going to be so different
1: Well, Nick, I appreciate you coming on and giving us your time and giving us the perspective of Ole Miss baseball. Let everybody know here in Auburn where they can find all of your content and everything that you're doing.
3: Yeah, clarionledger.com, C-L-A-R-I-O-N-L-E-D-G-E-R.com. You can read all sorts of stuff about this team and its turnaround. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Suss, that's N-I-C-K-S-U-S-S. And if you're going to be in Omaha, I'll be the one foolishly walking around the city in a shirt and tie. So just flick me or something.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, man, we appreciate you and your time uh, giving us a perspective on Ole Miss baseball. That was my conversation with Nick Suss, the Ole Miss beat writer from the Clarion-Ledger. He gave us everything you need to know about Ole Miss baseball and their matchup with Auburn tomorrow as the two teams go at it in the Tigers' first game in Omaha tomorrow night, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Let's take our final break. We'll come back and wrap up the Friday edition of On the Line and head into the weekend. Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you here on ESPN 106.7 in the Auburn-Opelika area and on Fox Sports, Central Alabama on 98.3 in Birmingham and silicaga We've got a few more minutes before we get out of here. Make sure you stay tuned. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck right here on the same stations from 4 to 6, so make sure you stay tuned for that. They'll have their conversation with Sonny Deshera. He will be on The Drive today and his conversation, their interview from Omaha, so make sure you stay tuned for the interview with Sonny DeShera on this Friday drive that'll be coming up in just a few minutes after me, but I've got about two minutes before I get out of here, and look, the question of the day was, who is Auburn's biggest competition in Omaha? I said Arkansas and Ole Miss, and I don't have to talk about the entire College World Series because it does go into next week, so we will talk about this a lot more uh, coming up on Monday, Tuesday, and then on, but I do want to go ahead and give my full-on pick before the tournament gets underway. I know the first game is going on right now. It's Oklahoma and Texas A&M, Oklahoma on top, 12-4 to in the bottom of the seventh. Well, scratch that. Texas A&M just hit a single. They're going to try and score, and uh, they do. So it's 12-5 to now, Oklahoma on top of Texas A&M, but Here is my pick to win the entire thing. Here is my pick for the national championship to win the College World Series. My pick is Arkansas. My second pick is Auburn. I think whoever comes out of that bottom portion of the bracket will win the entire thing. I think Texas will make it out of the top portion, and I think it will be Arkansas to come out of the bottom, and I think Arkansas will win it all. I'm going to go with the popular pick and pick the Razorbacks. Auburn is a close second, though. Auburn's a close second if they can stay consistent and keep playing the way they've been playing because they are battle-tested, and I think they have more experience in this postseason than a lot of others do, especially in the Super Regional. They, They had to earn that Super Regional win. Not saying any other team didn't, but you know what I'm trying to say. I think Arkansas will win the national championship, but I think Auburn would be my second pick. If if Auburn comes out of the bottom, I think it'll be them. If Stanford or Ole Miss come out of the bottom, I think they will win it as well. Here are the keys for Auburn to win their first game in Omaha tomorrow against Ole Miss. Start fast. Get great pitching, starting in the bullpen, and continue to hit the ball, whether it's home runs or timely hits. In this ballpark, you're not going to get a ton of home runs, so Auburn's going to have to be able to adjust and hit doubles and singles and move runners when they get walks. Also, Auburn has to continue to adjust to starting pitchers and to bullpen pitchers. It's something that Auburn was able to do in the Super Regional. They were able to adjust quickly to the pitcher after seeing him one time. They were able to adjust. They're going to have to do that the entire way through Omaha if they want to win the national championship. I think Auburn wins tomorrow. I think Auburn beats Ole Miss tomorrow, and then they move on, and they'll play again on Monday. We'll wait and see, but hopefully Auburn can come out hot and stay hot throughout the College World Series. That's it for the Friday edition of On the Line. I'll be back on Monday. The show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.